everybody. This is Alan Peterson, the host of uh, Meet the uh, Thriller Author. And uh, today I'm going to be talking with thriller author uh, C.E. Martin. Are you there, C.E.? Yes, sir. All right. Well, thanks for uh, joining us and Meet the Thriller Author. Before I get started with some questions, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I live in southern Indiana, uh, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, here in the Midwest. I'm 47 years old. I have a wife and two daughters. I retired last year after almost 20 years in the criminal justice career field. I was an investigator for the prosecuting attorney, and I just had enough of that and gave it up. Now I write on the weekends, and I work for my friend who's an attorney in his office uh, until the writing thing really takes off. That's a great background, though, so you must be able to have a good source for, for your books then. Well, oddly enough, even though when I was young and I really started thinking about being a writer, it was because I read a lot of mysteries like uh, Ellery Queen magazine. And I enjoyed the – we had a thing here in the Midwest on a radio station WHAS. It was called the Mystery Radio Theater Show or something. Every weekend they would have like an old-style radio murder mystery. Even though I loved that kind of stuff when I was younger – I don't write, and you know, I've got the criminal background. I don't write crime stuff. All my stuff, supernatural, science fiction things, because my grandfather got me hooked on sci-fi when I was a teenager, and uh, now I'll, when I do read, it's men's adventure or pulp novels or sci-fi that I like to read. And I, don't, I haven't read murder mysteries in years. Plus, I got I got my fill of crime, you know, actually working real crime. So yeah, that's what I was going to say. So you probably want to take a break from that stuff. And, Definitely, and do and do the other the other stuff that you like. Tell us a little bit about your about your books then that that you have out right now. Uh, since 2012, I've been concentrating on a series called Stone Soldiers, and it's a uh, super soldiers versus the supernatural. I'm a big fan of the TV show Supernatural and X Files, and even going as far back as Carl Kolchak, the Night Stalker. I've always enjoyed those kind of programs, and. I saw the movie um, Dreamcatcher based on the Stephen King book, and I really liked the Blue Boy unit in it. And so when I heard about Amazon's Kindle program, I thought, I need to write something that you know I could serialize in case this works. And I had done a screenplay the year before for Amazon Studios, and in that one I did a young adult kind of thing where I took – I, tr I tried to be a writer back in the 80s and 90s, didn't get anywhere with it, and I had a whole bunch of projects I did, and I took characters from those projects and put them together and kind of polished it up, modernized it, and it's basically a military version of the t TV show Supernatural, where it's soldiers instead of just two random guys running around killing monsters. It's an organized government unit, and the, the military aren't the bad guys in this. That was one of the main reasons why I wanted to do it. I'm a veteran, and it bothers me a lot how the military are either buffoons or bad guys or they're the you know the cavalry that comes raining in at the at the last minute of the movie as you know as a writer's lazy way out <laughs> <laughs> and now do you I, do you draw from your military background then for your books Yes and no. I mean, I worked third shift. I was a, a law enforcement specialist in the Air Force. Back then it was called security police. Now they call it security forces, and the mission has changed a little bit. But basically we were responsible for security on the base. The law enforcement guys, we would drive around and you know write tickets, bus, break up fights at the bars, respond to calls in the barracks, that kind of thing traditional police work and then we had security specialists that guarded the airplanes or maybe were at missile bunkers that kind of thing as i was getting out they were kind of doing crossover training so we had to be security certified too and on third shift 
we called it rivet counting, where you would guard an airplane and you would just you're sitting there staring at an airplane. Yep, still here. Yep, still here. Because you got to make sure they have special security zones and there's procedures. You're bored out of your mind. If you're lucky enough to have a partner or there's a roving patrol that checks on you every now and then, third shift we would tell ghost stories. And you, I heard so many great ones when I was in. And I haven't really used a lot of that in the books yet. I do have a new spinoff series that I'm working on that's going to launch next month. Uh, it's not going to be as often as my Stone Soldiers series. Is. I'll probably only do two of those a year. It's called Shadow Raiders. And for the second book in that series, I'm taking a... A tall tale that I heard about Area 51, and I'm incorporating that into the book. Oh, that'll be interesting. A lot of interest in Area 51, too. So I'm kind of. Yeah, definitely. So now with your Stone Soldiers, you mentioned, um, is it a serial then? Is it like episodic? No, it's more of a pulp uh, men's adventure style novel where each book is a standalone adventure. You could pick it up just like any TV show. You could watch, you know, like X Files had an overlying story arc from beginning of the show to the end of the show about the UFOs and the aliens and everything. But then there were episodes that were standalones, like about a werewolf or uh, the, the mutated guy who could fit down sewer pipes. You know, there, was, there was different singles. I've tried to make my book series the same where anybody can pick one up, never have read any of the other ones, and enjoy it. They're not going to miss anything. But there is some underlying story elements that carry over from one book to the next, it also adds realism because a military unit, people talk about stuff they've done in the past. So if you're reading book nine and you've never read any of the others, you might hear some references to things in the past, but you might not realize that they were previously in the series because people talk about things that have previously happened. And then if you wanted to go back, you could read those previous ones, but you don't have to. I'm breaking that rule with book 12 in the series. It'll be out this fall where it's a continuation of, of events that I laid out the groundwork for from books one through 11. So that one you do actually need to read the previous series and there'll be a warning in the beginning of it to let people know that. But generally every book is a, is a standalone adventure with the same characters uh, throughout the series. Yes, sort of. I have the main core characters, but I always try and introduce a new character so that there's a character that the reader can follow along with. And the reader is exposed to the universe for the first time through that character's eyes. Plus for people who've been in the service, you know, you're constantly getting new people into your unit. You know, people retire or they get transferred to another unit. Somebody comes in and takes their place. So it's normal to have that, that changeover. You know, you don't see that on TV because audiences, you know, fall in love with certain uh, actors or characters. So unless their character is killed, they don't just disappear. <laughs> you very rarely see people, see people just move away. So you have a, that, the, the core number never really changes. They might add somebody in. And I try and uh, I've killed a few people off, but a lot of times I have people, they're kind of like guest stars, I guess you could say. For example, book nine, the military team meets a private detective in Hollywood who uh, is haunted by a poltergeist. It's the poltergeist of his dead partner. And the dead partner is hanging around because he never got that big case he was always promised. So they're like a team. They work together. And the, uh, the private detective can see ghosts. That's, that's his like special power. So he's basically got a ghost partner who can go in and break in places and look around. And they help the military team fight the bad guy in the book. But then when the book's over, they, they go off on their own. They don't join the military unit. Sometimes I have the characters join the military unit. Sometimes not. Oh. And when did you publish your first book? 
the first one I think I did in June or July of 2012, and that was Mythical. That was number one in the series. Okay, wow. And how many books are you, do you plan to do you publish a year? Do you have like a certain amount that well, you're trying to do? Or? Uh, before I retired, I was lucky to get three done a year. And I, I took six months last year where I only worked part-time and was living on my retirement money and my part-time pay. Uh, health insurance ate up all my retirement money. I was able to squeeze out a couple extra that I normally wouldn't have been able to. Now that I'm back to full-time work, this is writing as a, as a weekend task again. And mm. I have two daughters, one's a teenager, one's a nine-year-old, and I spend a lot of time with them in the summer. So it's, it's, it just depends. Sometimes I have more time than others to write. And uh, I generally I do three books a year. I try. My goal is six, but I don't think I've ever hit six. <laughs> yeah. hey, three is pretty uh, good. <laughs> yeah, th- three is really pushing it because it's, it's finding the time to sit down and actually write. I'm a binge writer. I like to write for like eight, ten hours at a time. Oh, wow. I, I can't do one hour because when the hour's up, I can't quit. It's like I'm addicted to it, like playing a video game or something. I don't want to stop. So if I don't have at least three hours that I can sit down, I don't even write. I'll work on outlining or research or trying to come up with ways to promote or something like that. And now where do you usually write when you get into your into the zone? Um, I type pretty fast, only it's not really typing. It's more of a hunt and peck. I never really learned to type, but I've been a computer nerd since the uh, days of the Commodore 64. <laughs> and I've gone through a lot of computer systems. So I, I, I type about 50 or 60 words a minute. So I can I can crank out between two and 3,000 words an hour. Um, I think my record for one night before my carpal tunnel flared up was about fifteen to 16,000 words. And that was with stopping to go get snacks, you know, bathroom breaks, Hey, you kids, be quiet. You know, that kind of stuff. Pretty impressive uh, uh, output. (laughs) Well, now that's with my other secret is I just keep writing. I don't stop for mistakes. If I Mm -hmm. spell something wrong or I miss a comma or something, I just keep going. Because if if I stop to go back and correct it, it it takes me out of my my stream of consciousness. And uh, I I prefer to go back later. Of course, sometimes I go back later, I'm like, what the hell is this? What was I thinking? Where was I going with this? What is that word? But, but generally, that helps me go really fast. And I can just, you know, I've got my outline on my phone. And so I can look at my phone. I keep notes on my phone. And then I've got my, I use a smart tab, or not smart, I use a tablet with a wireless keyboard. That's what I actually write on. I'm in a recliner. I've got like this articulated arm that holds the tablet up like a screen. And uh, it's very sci fi like. You know, I got a cup holder on my recliner. I redneck bolted onto it, and uh, <laughs> I could just go go crazy typing until, like I said, I got to take a break or my carpal tunnel is just so bad I have to quit for the night. And so now you said you mentioned that you were uh, starting a new series. Uh, do you jump between the two then, the Stone Soldiers? What was the other one? The Shadow Shadow Raiders. Shadow Raiders. What What happened was, as I wrote the Stone Soldiers, just things started. You know, when you write a series like that. I, uh, for me, at least, things kind of evolve on their own. The characters take on a life of their own. You write one story, and you'll put something in it, and you're like, hey, you know what? I can develop that idea more. And eventually I got to the point where the team had discovered these prehistoric portals that were magical gateways to different pla- places on the Earth. Um, in one of the books, they even are able to go to the moon through one. And it got me thinking. And so for Shadow Raiders, it's a spinoff series where part of the team will go on these adventures twice a year where, you know, one of the military concepts is 
why fight the bad guys here in our backyard? It's better to fight the bad guys in their backyard. And the Stone Soldiers series has always been about, you know, there's a threat to America, so these super soldiers go and they fight these monsters and, you know, preserve America. Of course, some of the fights are elsewhere and, you know, they end up protecting the whole world. So it got me thinking, it would be cool if I could take them to the planes of existence where the monsters live. You know, like uh, if you could go to Valhalla and the Viking gods weren't nice guys, they were bad guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> and attack them there. Um, Kind of like a magical, I guess I would call it a mashup of Stargate and Supernatural. And so that's what the new series is about. It's Shadow Raiders is the first one. That's what they do. They go to Asgard and they're fighting. Um, you know, I love the movie Thor, but everybody's wanting to put a positive spin on the the Norse gods. And in a lot of mythology, they weren't nice, cool, happy-go-lucky people. They were, you know, mean and capricious and <laughs> tormented mankind. So I like the idea of... These are soldiers that are taking the fight to the bad guys where the bad guys live. So they are raiding the shadows where the monsters live. Of course, those monsters come from the shadows and raid Earth periodically. So it's a a double meaning for book one in the series, Shadow Raiders. And now do you – are your stories set like in in our time or is it like a parallel universe? Oh, okay. Well, it's it's sort of an alternate reality. I've tried to touch on that here and there, and I've dropped little clues. Um, like I've mentioned presidents that weren't presidents we had, because the whole basic concept is magic is still in the world. There are monsters and things that have survived into the modern era. Not like TV shows where you know, like nobody knows there's a vampire. In this world, there is some magic. Most people are skeptical of it. And I even make fun of comic books in one one or two books where I mentioned there was a brief period where people with psychic abilities would put on costumes and try and fight crime, and it all ended up becoming a commercial enterprise. But everybody's forgotten about it because it was back in the 80s. It's kind of a mishmash of uh, comics and pro wrestling because I loved pro wrestling back in the 80s when I was younger. I, I used to watch you know the um, I can't remember what it was called back then. They've changed the name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess it was. I think it was WWF wrestling back then. You know Hulk Hogan and the Iron Sheik and the British Bulldogs. I loved all that stuff back then and thought of it as like comic books come to life. So I've I've gone back. And that's kind of the background. Is there there was some magic in the public eye in the '80s, but it's kind of faded away. And basically, the world is like ours. Only magic is much more common. Uh, it's not it's not common like in the Dresden books or some other series uh, um, like the Xanth books by Piers Anthony. I mean, magic is everywhere. You know, you can't go without it. But it is more commonplace than than in our world. Uh, of course, if you pick some of the books up, you never even know that. You just think it's taking place in our world. Uh, some of the books don't really touch on the fact this is an alternate reality. And so what are some of the other writers that inspired you or, or have influenced you now that you're to, now that you're, that you're a writer? Uh, Warren Murphy and Richard Sapir are my biggest influences. They wrote the Destroyer series, which is Remo Williams. A lot of people might remember that Fred Ward movie yeah. from the 80s. Yeah, the one movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one movie, not very well done. Uh, the books are a million times better. They still make the books. There are 150 of them. 151 is coming out, I think, in three months. And there's a spinoff series now that's about Remo's son and daughter. It's by a guy named Gerald Welch, who co-writes it with Warren Murphy. Mr. Sapir passed away years ago, and... Uh, he, you know, he, he's not involved in the series since probably the 60s or 70s of uh, the number of books. But they're, 
men's adventure novels in the sense that they're they're not like a lot of the other men's adventure novels. You look at a lot of men's adventure online and you'll see like scantily clad women with a you know Dick Tracy guy holding a gun on them or pointing a knife at them. That's part of men's adventure, but the other part of men's adventure was just a modernized version of pulp novels. Mm. Pulp novels being Tarzan, John Carter, um, Doc Savage is, is the, the king of the pulps, The Shadow, things of that nature. Uh, I've always enjoyed those kind of books because they're fast-paced and they're all about the the central central focus is action, not drama. Um, in my opinion, one of the things that kills movies for me is when they have people stand around talking. You know, mm-hmm. that's appropriate for a stage, but in a movie, I want to see things. I, you know, you shouldn't stand around with dinosaurs eating plants in the background. You should be running from the dinosaurs. You know, there there needs to be action. So I. I go for more action style with all my books. They could probably be quite a bit longer than they are if I put more drama in and I slowed things down and I got more into exploring the world. But my focus is on the battle between good versus evil. Also, your books are like, like fast-paced, nonstop action. I like those. those are- they, they build. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try and pattern them after Doc Savage and Remo Williams where it starts off the mystery is who's the bad guy. Once they... Um, discover who the bad guy is you have you have act two is they fight the bad guy and lose act three they come back fight the bad guy kick his butt books over um so i try and follow a three-act structure like that with every single one because with a series all the series i read growing up had the same structure book after book after book it was just you plug in a different bad guy (laughs) you plug in a different way to defeat the bad guy modern fiction a lot of times wants to develop the soap opera aspect of the interaction between the characters. And I did put some of that in because you have to please your readers, but I don't like to put it in where it slows it down. Everything builds and builds and builds. And I like to do rotating viewpoints where when you get to act three, part of the team's over here, part of the team's over there. You you follow team one for a few minutes and then you get a cliffhanger. Boom. The next chapter I'm over with team two. When they get to a cliffhanger, then I go back to team one. And I try and back and forth because I don't want you to stop reading. I want you to keep reading for that frantic pace, all building to the big climax, uh, you know, the, the big explosion at the end, basically. Although it's not really, it's rarely an explosion, but uh, the, big, the big showdown, the, the boss fight, if you would, in video game terms. And now where do you usually get your ideas for your stories? Um, a lot of them come from stuff like Coast to Coast AM. I've always been a fan of like the UFO shows, the Bigfoot shows, the ghost shows. I actually started reading more and more of that when I was working at the prosecutor's office, probably around 2004, 2005. It was a good way on my lunch break to completely take my mind off the depressing real-world crime I was dealing with. So I would read, oh, what's the latest Bigfoot news? What's the latest UFO news? And I would see just you know, crazy stories about stuff. It's like, what? I've never heard of that before. I loved In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy when I was a kid. And then I watched um, Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack. And I never really read a lot of that stuff, but I enjoyed it on TV. And then um, in the prosecutor's office on my lunch hours, I got to where I was reading it every day at lunch. And it's like, oh, that's really interesting. A Mopinguari? What the heck is a Mopinguari? I've never heard of that before. And I would read about it. That's a South American giant tree sloth oh. <laughs> that this doctor thinks has survived into the modern age. Uh, just different creatures and, and cryptids and ghost stuff. So I'll take a lot of my story ideas from that and work them into the books. Um, the first one I really 
made the book focused on like that was the Black Knight satellite, and that's book five in my series, Black Knight Down. It's kind of a play on the military book Black Hawk Down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the Black Knight satellite's a UFO theory, ancient aliens theory, where uh, people believe there's a prehistoric satellite orbiting the Earth um, that was detected in the 1950s, long before we started putting anything up. And if, if you Google it or go to Wikipedia, it'll tell you the whole story better than I can in the small amount of time we have tonight. But I really like the concept of, oh, yeah, and, and you know, this unexplained artificial satellite over the Earth. Man, you know, oh, what if it came down? What's inside it? So I built a story around that. And, and of course, that book, it's. A, a coven of corporate witches. I call them corporate because they have banded together like a corporation and they use their witchcraft to make themselves wealthy. They they figure a way to get this satellite to crash to Earth because they think it's got something in it that's valuable. Of course, it's not what they thought was in it. And then the military team of stone soldiers have to come in. And the stone soldiers are primarily guys who've been turned to living stone because I always like on the ghost hunter shows, somebody gets scratched you know, by an invisible entity. They can't see it. Well, if you were made of stone, you couldn't be scratched. Or, you know, if it got hot, it wouldn't bother you. If it got cold, it wouldn't bother you. And if you fell in water, you wouldn't need to breathe. So I thought, wow, if you could only turn somebody into living stone, like the old uh, Marvel comic, It, the Living Colossus, or Ben Grimm from the Fantastic Four, the thing, you know, what's a way to turn people into living stone? So I came up with a way for that. The bulk of the team are made of stone, but then there are other supernatural beings they've picked up along the series there's a vampire doctor there's a uh, guy who's a werewolf the leader of the team is the last of the cold war supernatural soldiers he doesn't turn to stone unless he gets injured Um, instead of scabbing over a section of his skin will turn to stone and then he'll turn back to flesh and he's got some other abilities and powers and he's the doc savage style you know old style character and then the Stone soldiers are the new generation, new style characters. But anyway, they uh, so they have to always save the day and fight the big menace that you know normal flesh and blood people couldn't defeat. And so they're part of like the like the U.S. military then in your story. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a special operations task force comprised of people from all the branches of service. You know, it's a secret unit, uh, just like in Hellboy. You know, it's a small mm-hmm. detachment that's secret, but has the full support of the government behind it. So. Uh, one of the books, number two, I think, Brothers in Stone, which that's a parody on uh, Brothers in Arms. <laughs> uh, the Brothers in Stone, they have uh, Apache helicopters that they call in for fire support against this monster they're fighting. Um, they Originally in the series, they would get to their locations riding on you know, actual aircraft. I would take real-world aircraft and kind of tweak them a little bit because I was in the Air Force, so I'm familiar with a lot of the aircraft. Now the series has progressed where they've got these magic portals and they can basically go anywhere on Earth they want instantaneously, which I not originally did not plan that, but it just worked out that way, and I, I kind of like it better. It makes more sense. And I'll, I'll put in, you know, there's guns, and they don't all just run up, and the vampire doesn't bite everybody on the neck. She's, uh, you know, she uses knives and a sawed-off shotgun, and she fights. And the werewolf guy, you know, of course, he does bite everybody on the neck because he's a <laughs> werewolf, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, basically, it's it's a mix of conventional warfare, uh, unconventional warfare, I guess I should say, special operations style tactics and and equipment mixed with magic and magical realism 
and uh, there's a lot of psychics. Psychics have the uh, support role in the books. Uh, they they're used to scout out locations or to interrogate prisoners. You know, I, tr- I try to work a little bit of everything in to give it a um, a, a real world feel of if you had magic, what would the military do with it? And what I really liked is when I started doing this, I couldn't find anybody else doing it. But now there's Mike Cole has a series called Shadow Ops. That's magic has come back to the whole world and magic's everywhere. And now, you know, militaries use magic on a large scale. And then there's American craftsmen. I can't even think there's, there's at least seven or eight other series. There's uh, seal team six, six, six. Of course, I think those are regular guys who fight magic. Whereas my guys are magic guys who fight magic, but there's it's military supernatural stuff is on the rise. Cause I guess several of us around the same time realized, hey, nobody's doing this. We should do this. <laughs> yeah, and I heard now even X-Files is coming back. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. I, I'm really excited to see that come back. I loved that show. I wish they'd bring Kolchak back a second time. They, they tried bringing him back a few years ago, and it was horrible. So I'm waiting for Kolchak to return good. <laughs> yeah. And so now, um, do you still find time to read then, or are you, just, are you too busy writing? And Not, <laughs> not really. I, I spent spend as much time as I can with my daughters. We watch a lot of B-movies, and I play Xbox with them. I I try and read, but I don't get to read anywhere near as much as I want. I may read, like, three or four books a year now, if I'm lucky. I, I used to read, like, I mean, in high school, I'd read six books a week. I was an avid reader, and I, unfortunately, I still have all these paperbacks piled up and in boxes, but before I started writing, I was reading maybe 10 or 12 books a year. I'm mainly a TV guy. I love, I just love monster movies and cheesy sci-fi. You know, I, I miss mystery science theater a great deal. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I try and read when I can. One, one of my problems now is I don't want to read something and then like subconsciously copy it or steal an idea mm-hmm. from it. Cause I've, I've just seen and been exposed to so much. I have a cousin who, uh, we're both, big sci-fi comic book guys and sometimes i'll email him hey has this been done before for some reason this sounds familiar to me and he'll think about it for a while and he's like no I, no i think you're thinking of this which was slightly different and it's like okay i'm good to use this then yeah i don't want to plagiarize anybody but also what's the point in doing it if somebody else has already right, done right. it i mean you sh- i want to come up with a unique spin on stuff do you have an I online presence are you like on facebook and twitter and all those places Sort of. I mean, I have a website for the books, stonesoldiers.info, and that keeps you sort of up to date. There's a blog that you can link through that's on uh, blogger.com. Sometimes I'll post once or twice a week. Then I might go three or four weeks and not post. I have a Twitter handle, at Troglodad, T-R-O-G-L-O-D-A-D, and I'll go through spurts in that where like, I'll post a whole bunch of stupid stuff. For several days, and then I won't touch it again for a month. I, I tend to lurk on more than anything else online. I like to read. Most of my reading comes from the Internet now. I mean, I read the Internet every day. Websites like theanomalous.com or mysteriousuniverse.org. Uh, I like to read stuff like you know, uh, video game news, technical news, weird, weird, uh, weird stories, that kind of stuff. Um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, and I started a podcast because she wanted to get into podcasting. So we have that now. That's called Weirdology101.com. We just we're only on like episode four. What's the focus on that? Um, so I do have a, we we introduce people to weird stuff because like I did an interview with a guy one day and he was asking me about a kappa, which is a Japanese water elemental. I put that in a short story. There's four short story prequels to my Stone Soldiers series. Each one's about a different type of elemental. 
and I wanted to get like really obscure elementals that generally aren't used in fiction. And the Kappa was one of them I found. And he's like, where in the heck did you come up with that? And, it, you know, so my daughter wanted to podcast. I'm like, you know, let's do something like that. Because a lot of the stuff I talk to with her about or we see when we watch movies, she's never seen before. I'm like, there's a whole generation of kids who didn't grow up with In Search Of like I did. I had the, you know, everybody was learning about it together back then. Now, people my age, maybe maybe in their 30s, a little younger, we've been exposed to this stuff so much that when we talk about it, we all know what each other's talking about. But people in their 20s or their teens, they might be like, a Draugr? What's a Draugr? You know, what's a what's a Mappinguari? What's a Yowie? You know, they don't know what what we're talking about. And so I thought it would be cool for us to just go over an introduction. We don't go real in-depth into it. We don't debate whether it's real or not. It's like, this is the thing. This is some examples of it in fiction. And, you know, if you want to learn more, you can Google this. Uh, we ha- On the webpage, I try and put some links to a few things here and there. And we just, we have fun with it. It's a, that's why we called it Weirdology 101. It's your introduction to the strange and unusual, the supernatural and the paranormal. Yeah, that sounds like fun. And I will have links to, to your books and your, and your podcast and all that, too. So for the listeners on the website or wherever they're listening, there'll be links. So look for the links. All right. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time and for talking to us about uh, about your books and your podcast. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beat the Thriller Author. You can visit our site at get.thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast for more information on our podcasts. And you can also subscribe to this podcast uh, on your favorite podcatcher, uh, like iTunes, the most popular one, of course. Uh, Just search for Meet the Thriller Author and you'll find me there. And I'm also on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash Meet Thriller Author. Love to hear from you. Love to hear your comments and your feedbacks on the shows. And I'll have a new podcast, a new interview with a thriller author. Uh, I'll be posting them every Tuesday. So stay tuned for that. And don't forget to subscribe. And please visit my author website at alanpeterson.com.